Hello, and thank you for joining us today. As always, it is such a blessing to be with you. Today, the title of our message is Embrace the Word. We're going to be looking at how the Bible is the inspired Word of God, what that actually means, and how the Word actually helps change us. It leads us in ways of maturity. It helps equip us. So with that being said, please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your Word Thank you that your word helps change us. It, it molds us and it helps us to become more and more like Christ. Lord, we pray that today as we go through your word, we pray that your word would ultimately change us and make us more like Christ, just as we pray and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we look at the inspired word of God being the Bible, I want to start with 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16, and it says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what is right. So what does it mean that the Bible is the inspired Word of God? It basically means that God divinely influenced the humans to author the Scriptures. It's basically... The inspiration means that it is God-breathed. Inspiration means that the Bible truly is the Word of God, and that makes the Bible unique among all other books. That is something that we have to take on faith, that the Bible is what it says it is. Now, the second question or the next follow-up question that many people would have is, they would say, well, how do I know what I'm really reading today is what was actually written in ancient times? Now, well, that's a great question. We have really good evidence and really good proof that what we are reading today is exactly what was written. And the way we're able to do that is we have thousands and thousands of manuscripts that scholars have been able to go over. And basically, when they look at all of these manuscripts, they're able to see any irregularities that are on one specific manuscript and know that that doesn't match up with the majority of manuscripts. So it's Basically like this, it would be if you had a classroom of students and there's 30 or 40 students and they all take a piece of paper and they're supposed to copy word for word what is on one specific piece of paper. And when you take those and you collect those, if one person made a mistake or wrote a sentence wrong or left out a specific word, it would be very easy to decipher which one doesn't match up with the others and the likelihood of that one being accurate is very low. Now, one thing that stands out to us and where we can find really good proof of this is in 1947, when scholars found the Dead Sea Scrolls, we take for an example the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah, once it was taken, and like I said, it was found in 1947, it carbon dates to between 356 BC and 100 BC. So the manuscript of the book of Isaiah that we found in 1947 was over 2,000 years old. Now, when we take that, that's a really good thing to take and compare and say this is a, a manuscript that's over 2,000 years old. How does it compare to what we have today when we didn't know that existed? And the percentage of likelihood of it being exactly the same was 100%. There were some small variances, and these, these variances were very minor. They were spelling variances of, of specific words. And, but nothing as far as text or, or meaning was ever changed. 
So that gives us a really good indication with that one specific text of where we stand with the other texts. So when we look at the word and we look at the word being the truth and the word being inspired, we can have really, we can stand really well on saying that, yes, the authors of these books, the authors of these letters, it is exactly what they wrote. So when we look at what Paul says to Timothy here in 2 Timothy 3, 16, he says that all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The first part of that that I want to talk about is that it pierces our heart. When we look at that verse and we think about how it changes us, that, that the Word of God changes us, it teaches us what is true. We can see this in Acts 2, verse 37. Now, this is right after Pentecost. Peter has preached a, a sermon and over 3,000 people have been baptized, have been saved that day. And, and Acts 2, 37 says this. It says, now when they had heard this, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This is evidence in Scripture that, that, that what they heard, as they heard the word spoken from one of the apostles, it, it changed them. It changed these individuals. It, it moved them and inspired them to move. That God was there. God was, God, God had, was pulling on these individuals. The second part to this is that it reveals the heart. Scripture ultimately reveals the heart. We see this in Hebrews 4, verse 12 through 13. It says, For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but, we, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him who we must give an account. Scripture makes it very clear that it reveals our heart, that it pierces our heart, that it ultimately leads us to want to change. That, that Scripture breathed out by God is not just words on a piece of paper, that it actually speaks to the human heart, that it actually motivates us, it moves us, it changes us. And as we read the Word, many people read the Word, and as you read the Word in different times in your life, different things are revealed to you. Different things change you. It is, it's, it's almost for a reading of a certain time in our life. Or it gives us a different perspective on a certain time in our life that we need to deal with. The second aspect that I want to talk about today is that God's Word is profitable. When we look at the, the very first part of that verse in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says that all scripture is inspired by God, then it says, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So it is profitable. It teaches us that what we need to know in our lives is all, of there, is all there. That Jesus revealed himself as John in his gospel says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That Jesus is the word, and then ultimately his word changes us. 
It establishes the right belief that we need to have. It keeps us centered and focused on what is true and what is right in the scriptures. It establishes the right behavior in what we do. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what to do is right. So that is the second half of that verse. So we have the part where it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Then the second part is is that it establishes the right behavior and it says that it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. The challenge here is that we know as Christians we are called to read the Word. But to ultimately understand the things of God, we have to be in prayer, but we have to understand God's Word. We have to seek God out in God's Word. Because the Word changes us. The Word makes our beliefs line up with what God is telling us. And it ultimately changes our behavior and makes our behavior right. So once we change our frame of mind, we change our action. And that is ultimately what we see that is happening in the Bible. That when the Word is preached, it changes people. The third thing that I want to talk about today is that God's Word is dependable. In the very next verse, verse 17, it says that God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So the first part of that says God uses it to prepare us. This is where God uses it to mature us. The word is used to prepare us, meaning that it is used to mature us. We all have a walk as a Christian and a Christian life. Almost like a young child up to an adult. We're only fed exactly what we can understand when, when we're a child. Just like feeding a baby baby food. And as they mature and as a, and as a person becomes older, they can take other substances in. The same thing is true with the Word. That when we read through the Word, we're re- certain things are revealed to us at certain times when we're able to digest those, when we're ready for that maturity, and that maturity is there for us to move along at our own pace. And the second part to that verse is this, it equips His people to do every good work. So basically what it is saying, this verse is saying, is that it prepares us, it it, it helps us to be mature. And then the second part is that it equips us for ministry. Now, many people might say, well, I don't necessarily have a ministry. And I would say this, if you're a Christian, you have a ministry. If you have influence of people, if you're around people, if you can influence people, you have a ministry. That ministry may be with your family. That ministry may be something that could be at work. That ministry could be at any influence that you have among people. And as Christians, we must remember that we are called to advance the gospel. We are called to share the love of Christ. Not only to speak it and to talk about Jesus, but to love on our fellow man in the same way that can help reveal God to those people as well. So as we look at, well, as we look at the Word and we look at the inspiration of the Word, it's very easy for mature Christians to understand and to actually come away from reading the Bible and to know that it is more than words on paper. That the inspired Word of God changes us. That it ultimately makes us and moves us to be more and more like Christ. As long as we're open to that fact, as long as we want 
and we seek God. And I want to talk about one other thing today, and I, uh, I want to speak of the fact of the motivation to read the Word. Well, many Christians read the Word to be able to answer other questions of people or, or to have biblical knowledge. There is a, a strong difference between understanding the Word and the Word living inside of us. It's very easy to become a scholar of the Bible and, a, and to read it where, where you can spend so much time understanding the history and what is there. But if you're not guided and led by the Holy Spirit, there's a part that you're missing. There's an understanding, there's a depth, there's a maturity that's there that will not be revealed to that individual. And ultimately, it doesn't change us. So as we look to the Word and we look to prayer to ultimately move us to be more Christ-like, as we read the Word, we must read the Word from a relationship standpoint. We must read the Word from a perspective that we want to be closer to God, that we want to understand and to know the things of God. I remember, I remember a story that I think is, is really good to share. When we talk about reading the Word and understanding what it is, I think it goes without saying that if we had a loved one, someone that we, we truly love, for, for some of us it may be a, a long-lost uh, grandparent that, that, that has passed and, and maybe hopefully has gone to heaven or, or a father or a, a friend or someone that has, that has gone on. And, and let's talk about maybe this person had left you a letter they had put a letter out with your name on it and asked you to read it. My question to you is, if this was someone that you truly loved, if this is someone that you wish you could see again and have that conversation again, would you read that letter? Would you open that letter? And I think without hesitation, most of us would say, absolutely, I would read that letter. It would, it would bring me back to to a sense of remembering what it was like to be with that person or to be able to, to hear, their, hear their voice or, or read their thoughts from, from beyond the grave. Well, the same thing is here with the Word of God. And while God, where Jesus is, is living and He is resurrected from the dead and He is ever, li- ever living, the Bible is, is the Word from our Father. Every word in it is important and every word is structured to be specific and something that we need to know. Nothing is to be, nothing is to be taken lightly with something that is, that is there. There is truth to be revealed to each one of us. So I encourage you today, read your Bible. Look for that relationship with God that can be ever-changing. Look to these principles and these points that you know and you can stand firm in believing that the truth is there. And as the Word says, the truth will set you free. Now, for many people, there may be people out there that have heard this message and maybe you have a, a deeper understanding and a deeper perspective of the Bible and of the Word of God. Maybe me talking about the history and you want to go look it up about the book of Isaiah and how it is a hundred percent correct of what we have that's over 2,000 years ago. Maybe in that you've thought, oh, maybe there is some truth to this. Maybe God is, is tugging on your heart. And I want to tell you this, that 2,000 years ago, to fulfill prophecy, 
to fulfill the love of what God had for each one of us. God sent His only Son. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He did something that none of us can do. He was fully God and fully man. And He came to this earth and He lived a sinless life. He was crucified, died, and He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And through Him... Each one of us can be saved. And many people say, what does that mean? What does it mean to be saved? It means that when we, when we sin, we are separated from a holy God. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Only Jesus was a sinless man that came to earth. But that through Jesus, through his sacrifice that he paid for each one of us, we can, be set, we can be set free. We can be set in right communion with God. The opposite to this is, is separation from God. And many of us live our lives in separation of God. And God is a gentleman. Jesus was a gentleman. God will never chase someone down and force them against their will to do something that they don't want to do. That's, that's not God. And separation from God is hell. And the, the situation here is this, is that people can choose. They can choose to follow Jesus. They can choose to trust in Him for their salvation. Or they can choose to continue to live their life the way they have in separation from God. And with God being a gentleman, He will not force anybody to be somewhere against their will. In fact, heaven is a place where Jesus is. Someone that rejects Jesus, God would not force them to be with Jesus for eternity. And separation from God is a place called hell. So today, if you feel that tug at your heart, if you feel and you understand your sin, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came to this earth, He died and He rose from the dead, then you can be saved. And there is no special or specific prayer that anyone can pray to be saved. It is, it is only between you and God and it is a change of heart. But I do, want you to, I do want to pray with you today. And I would ask that everyone else, every other Christian that is out there, I would pray that you pray at the same time for people that, that, are, that do not know Jesus, that do not trust in Jesus as their Savior. That is, people in the future or even right now may be watching this video I pray that you would pray for them. And for those of you that want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would love to lead you in prayer and then we would love to connect with you afterwards. But if that is you today, and you want to repent of your sins and you believe in who Jesus is, please repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've been living my life on my own. I believe that you are the Son of God. You came to this earth. You lived a sinless life. You died and rose from the dead. I put my full trust and faith in you as my Savior. Please forgive me for my sins. I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. 
And thank you for allowing me to spend eternity in heaven with you. If you prayed that prayer today, we want to connect with you. We would love to tell you what's next, what you should do. We'll start by saying this. Please get plugged into a local Bible-believing church. Read your Bible daily and pray. Reach out to us so we can pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe so that this message can reach more people for Christ. God bless.